This is an episode of the Will, Lee, and Andrew Learn About Web3 series. We're in a pivotal moment in time where Web3 has exploded and a lot of smart people we know are dropping their careers to transition to Web3. This is a series where we bring on friends to learn about what's happening. Please join us on this journey as we learn more about Web3. All of this is just fun conversation and none of it is investment advice. And I think one of the biggest things about approaching new people is meeting them where they are. I love talking to people in the Discord and they're like, it's my first NFT. And I'm like, it's mine too. (laughs) And being able to create that really welcoming space that's free of jargon, exclusionary language, things that can make people feel really isolated, especially people who marginalize genders and people of color. So being able to create that community with the foundation of, hey, it's new for me too. We're figuring this out together has been really special. Welcome to the Will and Lee Show. Hi, this is Will Chang. Along with my co-host, Lee Chang and Andrew Su, we have a special co-host with us today, Lee O'Young. Hey guys, welcome to be back. Hey, good to be here. Today, our guests are the High Witches of Crypto Coven, the creators of a collection of beautiful witch NFTs. Crypto Coven is an immersive, narrative-driven experiment in world building, architected on top of decentralized technologies and designed to be a peculiar welcome to the space for the uninitiated. Witches have attributes I've never seen before in NFTs, like archetypes such as enchantresses, necromancers, and seers, astrological signs, and attunement traits such as will, wit, wisdom, wiles, wonder, and woe. Leo Young is a passionate member of the Crypto Coven. She evangelized me and many of our other podcast guests. And I'm very grateful because they got sold out so fast. Alex Ohanian, co-founder of Reddit and husband of Serena Williams, is also a Crypto Coven holder. We have the five high witches of Crypto Coven here with us today. I'll summon each one individually to introduce themselves and talk about their roles. Nyx, Conjurer Visions. Hello, I'm one half of the artist duo who drew the avatars for Crypto Coven. I do the creative direction and I write some of the code. Specifically, the generator uh, was the bulk of my focus for the project. Alethea, Aesthetic Artificer. Hello, I'm the other half of the creative duo. I worked mostly on the art and um, have been working on art direction and bringing other people into the fold. And yeah, mostly just pixel pushing and making sure things look aesthetic. Shenyu, Keeper of the Coven. Hi, I'm the Witch of Will and have worked kind of all over the place, but on a lot of code, including the smart contract and the generator and community building, marketing, like a lot of miscellaneous things around. Aradia, Weaver of Web. Hi, I'm Aradia. I'm the Witch of Wonder. I mainly worked on code. Writing the website was uh, one of the big ones. Also, I worked a bit on the builder, mainly generating the witch names and um, hoping to contribute a little more to the lore in some upcoming releases. And finally, we have Kadweedwin, the witch articulator. Hi, everyone. I'm Kadweedwin, a local weird witch of wordsmithery. I do most of the lore and writing, copywriting, quips for Twitter, that kind of thing. Um, the main thing I worked on for this project are the witch articulations that come with each NFT. Welcome, everyone. Leo Young, why don't you get us started with the questions? Okay, cool. I wish you guys could see my face right now because I'm cheesing so hard. Just like, it's amazing to have you guys all in one space and get all my questions asked. So the first thing that I want to start off with is that I love the concept that you guys you chose a witch because a lot of people think of like a Halloween caricature of a witch, but I feel like your project really expands what a witch means. And it seems like you guys pulled from a lot of 
different cultural mythologies. And it's just like a powerful woman with magical powers, but powerful in a lot of different ways. So anyways, I'm really curious to hear about maybe why you guys chose to use witch as your representation and maybe a little bit of the backstory, the lore behind each of the high witches. And I know Shrenyu, you have a really good backstory that I'd love to hear more about. Yeah, I can start on that a little bit. The witch concept was one of, I think, the last, obviously, and the best idea out of many ideas that we were throwing around. At the time, it was the result of a funny pun I thought would be very cute to execute on, basically like burning the witch and people burning Ethereum. And I'm just like, oh, convert both. Like, what a coincidence. That's great. But then, you know, as we leaned more into the witch concept, there was a lot of cultural and like social, uh, like really rich narrative to dive into. And that's kind of where the project went. Uh, personally, I really liked the tension between the words crypto and coven because the first one is so like technologically oriented and the second one was very mythological. And it seemed to represent a span of like potential possibility creativity that we could lean into and it would give us a really wide range to draw from. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think as well, part of the impotence behind the project was there was just so many of these avatars being used in the crypto space. And a lot of them was a signal or like an insider wink that you were part of the subculture and you were there early. But many of the imagery were male coded or like there wasn't a lot that featured women. And so when we were deciding on projects, witches, especially as avatars, have a lot of agency and individualism. Like in mythology, witches are not defined by their relationships to other people. They're very like standalone characters that have like influence over the plot. And that was kind of like the visage we wanted to give particularly women and non-binary folks who are entering crypto now to represent themselves in the space as well. So that was also a really appealing part about leaning into witchcraft specifically. Um, but yeah, I'd love to toss it to Zanu to talk about uh, the origins of her name in particular and some of the other names behind the high witches. Yeah. So I mean, all of our names, we were initially goddesses and then we became high witches. So all of our names are goddesses of magic. Mine is Zhou Tianxuan Yu, which is like a Chinese goddess slash bearing and there's a lot of like fun mythology around her as a character. She's very much an enchantress in our lore in terms of just being someone who is involved with like the politics and stuff, military strategy and things like that, handing the emperor book of knowledge and whatever. And then also creates like illusions. And it felt like something fun for me. And I wanted to have a character that didn't necessarily tap into the Western lore for a lot of magic and witchcraft, which I think it tends to be kind of the norm for a lot of fantasy that we see in the U.S. So yeah, that was where that came from. Yeah, that's interesting that you brought up that you guys used to be goddesses, because that's kind of what I felt when I mean like that word witch is more than someone that's burnt at the stake in Salem. It's, it's any powerful being that is a woman or not woman, or I guess could be both. And I actually prefer that definition. And I love, Nick's. I love your explanation about how it's, how they have their own agency. And that is why I was really connected with this project as well. I think I just fell in love with the art and I explained to the other guys how I didn't really get the whole hungover looking monkey, 40 yacht, yacht club or whatever. The other thing I really love about this project is the community. So even though I've been working in the crypto space, I didn't know anything about NFTs. And I literally learned it all through Crypto Coven. And also you guys have stats on how this is for many people. This was their first NFT they ever minted. You guys, the Discord community is great in terms of educating people, making it super easy to learn and super inviting for people. So yeah, I just, 
would love to hear more about, did you guys intend on that or did it just happen by accident? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think kicking off the project, just as someone who has been well-versed in crypto, was fairly new to NFTs. It's such like an inviting, like visual cue to get into the space. And yeah, I think I had heard about them a lot on like podcasts and interviews, but hadn't dived into the tech in particular. But actually, I would love to toss this one to Karidwin, who was brand new to both crypto and NFTs when we kicked off this project. Yeah, Lee, I can really relate to your experience. My witch was my first NFT, my high witch. And I still only have witches in my wallet. I'm something of a witch purist at this point. But yeah, as a writer by day and working on this project as a writer as well, I was probably, I would say, the least knowledgeable about NFTs coming into the project. And I think one of the biggest things about approaching new people is meeting them where they are. I love talking to people in the Discord and they're like, it's my first NFT. And I'm like, it's mine too. (laughs) And being able to create that really welcoming space that's free of jargon, exclusionary language, things that can make people feel really isolated, especially people of marginalized genders and people of color. So being able to create that community with the foundation of, hey, it's new for me too. We're figuring this out together has been really special. What's powerful about NFTs too is it's new for everyone. Even people you think are veterans of the space have really only been veterans for somewhere between three to six months. So part of the joy is like everyone learning together and creating new things together as well. Totally, yeah. It's amazing how fast you can get caught up too because now all I do is talk about NFTs. Okay, the other thing about community that I thought was great is that you all reached out to the community to create these mood boards before creating the art. I want to hear about the thought process. Is that even normal for NFT projects to reach out to the community before they start building? What made you all do that? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's normal. I don't know of other projects that have done it, although I'm sure they exist. I think for us, a big question that's come up a lot is around accessibility of the witches because we wanted to make sure that there were people who would resonate with this project who might not otherwise be able to buy a witch. We wanted to make sure they could get one. And we thought a lot about like what would be like kind of a meaningful way for both people to contribute, but also for us to be able to find the people who really, really got this project specifically and not just kind of generically looking for NFT giveaways or whatever. Galifia was the one who brainstormed the mood boards. And then we also called for articulations. And it just kind of felt like low effort enough that it wasn't inaccessible to people. We thought about asking people to draw something, for instance, but not everyone is an artist, but everyone can ostensibly create a mood board. And yeah, it was really, really nice. Like we really saw people kind of understand the vibe and be really excited to contribute in some way. That was something that felt like a really nice tone to start off on for the project as a whole. I felt like those people got special NFTs too, like really unique ones that may or may not look like them, but just very unique characters. Uh, yeah, those are the ones um, for people that were contributing to the project outside of the core team, we drew custom ones. But even some of the assets that are just in the entire Witch collection came from the community mood boards. Actually, I'd love to toss this one to Alethea to speak a little bit more about designing custom styles based off of the mood board contributions. Oh, yeah, for sure. My favorite part of the mood board contributions was that it's such a low barrier to entry to the population that we wanted to draw into the community. Like, do we know any woman who hasn't made a Tumblr mood board in like 2001? Like, no, everybody knows how to make a Tumblr mood board. Besides all like the shillers or the flippers. Uh, so we were just like, yeah, we would like to present a proof of humanity through proof of taste. And... <laughs> 
I think it was really successful. And when Nix and I drew the assets to the move board, it was also a very collaborative process where we picked out assets that aligned with the visions we had for each archetype that we'll go into later, draw them out and then like share them back with the community. So they could see kind of like their own fingerprints in this project that they joined into and feel a connection that I think is quite rare in the NFT space. Some of them are really directional too. There is this amazing cyberpunk mood board that had this phosphorus gas mask. And after I drew it, we were kind of stuck on the aesthetic for mages. And then it kind of just kickstarted that entire aesthetic. We're like, oh yes, they're going to be like glowing magical cyberpunks and that's just how it'll be. But at the last note on the community-driven input, I would love to toss it to Karidu and to talk a little bit about the articulations as well. Yeah, so in addition to submitting images of their visual inspirations, we also had people submit their own articulations, which I can talk about a little bit more later. But they're essentially our witch descriptions or the short paragraph of a few sentences that comes with each witch. And we had done a lot of work simplifying this process. Part of that simplification had to do with how we were incorporating AI into how they were being built. But they had become something that really resonated with people and were easily replicable, which were two things that were very exciting. So when people sent in their witch mood boards, they also sent in their sample articulations or paragraphs describing their ideal witch. And they were so delightful. And it's so fun to see the community articulations especially come up in the witches. We have a lot of community members who are like, I'm really trying to snipe one with my particular articulation. But it's been really fun to have people feel so invested in the project and to see in a really literal way how much the aesthetic and the tone of the project resonates with our audience. I read on your website that one of the things that was your inspiration was the Savage X Fenty. This is something that I learned about recently because I, uh, my girlfriend made me watch the Rihanna concert and basically what her whole thing was. Models came from all sizes and colors. And in the last couple of days when I was scrolling Twitter, my Twitter feed was full of Crypto Coven. And you could tell that that was definitely an inspiration because Crypto Coven, all the women looked very, very different. And one of the things that I felt was really special about Crypto Coven is that they all looked so unique. Like any other NFTs, they kind of look all the same, but you guys did a really good job in making every single one look unique and every single one of them look amazing. So I wanted to ask about how you onboarded the uninitiated because all the, my Twitter feed, when they were showing off their Crypto Coven, each one was like, this is my first NFT. Because the NFT process is very difficult. How did you guys think about onboarding them? There were a lot of small things we tried to do to make things more accessible to newcomers because I think also like we generally had a pretty good perspective on what that felt like. I knew about NFTs, but like I didn't own an NFT until we started working on this project essentially. And so we had very freshly experienced the pains of onboarding and the things that were confusing or like really explained in a lot of places. One thing that I think we put a lot of effort into was just making the process of minting like very, very clear or as clear as we could try to make it. We wrote like a minting guide that was really from like start to finish, from not owning any either, not having a wallet to minting an NFT either on our website or on their scan directly. And just step by step everything we could think of to include there, because there's just a lot of things that I think tend to be implicit that are not actually obvious if you don't have any experience in the space. And one of the things that I had always found very opaque about crypto in the space was just a lot of documentation and onboarding tends to be super jargon heavy and technically complex. And it doesn't actually need to be in a lot of cases, I think. The concepts are 
like concepts that people can understand if you can frame it in a way that is in plain language for them. Yeah, I would also love just with the art and the diversity of the witches themselves, we wanted to make sure that anyone could see themselves in a witch and just appeal to like as wide a range as women as possible so that they could resonate and see art that looked like them, which is hard to find in the space. But circling back actually to the Savage Expendi comment, I would love to kick that one to Karidwin, who really pushed us, Alethea and I, the art team, to like aim for that level of inclusion. Yes, I am so passionate about Rihanna. (laughs) But yeah, so as someone who is quite passionate as a hobby in makeup, Rihanna revolutionized the way that women think about their skin. And that sounds dramatic, but it's true. Like if you go into Sephora, the wall of skin tones in the Rihanna section is like an unprecedented level of representation for people of color and women of color. And so when we were thinking about what kind of person do we want to be able to see themselves in our witches, you're like all people. (laughs) And thinking about the way that women, especially, or people of marginalized genders, expect a different level of diversity and they expect people who value their opinion to hold themselves to that bar. So not only skin tone diversity, but also body shape diversity was something we were really passionate about. I was like flooding Nix's inbox with pictures of my favorite plus size models. And I'm like, I would love for these people to be able to find themselves in our collection. So being able to hold ourselves to that standard where the bar has risen, I think, in that community much higher than it has in some others, like perhaps the traditional space of crypto. I do think because you guys put so much emphasis on visual inclusivity that it probably put me at ease when I was joining the Discord or talking or whatever, it was like, okay, this is going to be for everyone. I'm not joining Crypto Boys Club or certain type of people, right? There's going to be people from all walks of life here. Although I will say that there, I did meet up with some Crypto Coven people in real life at Times Square. And I was kind of surprised that they were dudes instead of women. So I was like, okay, I guess I cannot make the assumption that it's just women. But it was kind of funny. That's absolutely incredible. And I think a really enjoyable part of the community for all of us has been seeing femininity become the default assumption Mm -hmm. versus like an exception. Yeah. So, okay. When I was talking about this with everybody else, obviously everyone's like, I love the art. I love the articulation. I love the lore. But I said that there was going to be more stuff to come, but I couldn't really explain it that well. So maybe one of you guys could tell us more about the rollout and especially the special map. I keep telling people there's a special map that only certain witches can like see parts of the map or something, but I don't really know what that's about. Yeah, so we were trying to be somewhat intentionally vague with our roadmap. I think a lot of NFT projects have these very ambitious roadmaps they never deliver on. And I think Genu actually pioneered this very amazing principle we have as a team, which is like showing rather than telling. But all of us were really inspired by early internet culture and spent a lot of times, I think lots of people referred to the Neopets HTML tutorial. I think that's where like at least half of the team learned to code for the very first time or had their experience with like web technologies. So summoning some of that delight and those early internet experiences, except built on Web3 this time, is not to give away too much, but vaguely what we're hoping to do in later stages of the project. Okay. And I heard that you guys are deploying any new code until next year. Yeah, we definitely did want to take a Christmas break. Yeah. I think the space is like eternal and constantly changing. Oh my God, this year is like about to end in like two weeks. So I'm, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's also very true. <laughs> We'd love to learn about the rollout, how you guys rolled them out, the level one, the pre-sales, the open sales. Can you just walk us through that process? A lot of the same ideas, I think, were like permeating through a lot of like the process stuff we did around them's like how to increase accessibility to the community that we really want sticking around with this long term. And a lot of that meant like, how do we make sure that people who are interested in our actual project and invested in kind of the lore and the art and 
the things that we find a lot of value in with Crypto Coven and how do we kind of create like a real community energy, ensure that they can kind of like get access to witches. So we weren't really looking for immediate sellout. I know that's like something that a lot of NFT projects kind of aim for because it is kind of, oh wow, there's all this demand for it. But we didn't want it to just favor people who happened to show up, but like didn't really have like a resonance with the kind of world that we want to be building. And yeah, so the actual rollout was we did a community sale for about a month, the month of November, starting on Halloween. And that just required you to get to like level one on Discord. We tried to keep the bar fairly low because we didn't want people spamming the Discord just to reach some high level. But we wanted to get people in the door and have them feel out what our community was about, see if they liked it, and just put in a little bit of effort engaging with the other people in the Discord. And then we ran the pre-sale for about a month and then opened it up to the public sale, I guess, 10 days ago. And we did reveals like twice a week. There were a bunch of things that kind of went into that where we wanted to make sure that people couldn't snipe rarity for witches. That was like something that we were kind of concerned about because we just wanted to make sure that the process was like fairly fair and transparent for people, not advantaging bots. Same goes for having like a three witch limit per wallet. It's something that people can get around, but for the most part, like introducing friction to that process so that people aren't buying up like 20 witches in the community sale and then immediately flipping them, I think was really important to us, kind of like an equalizing factor. Yeah. Along those lines, many of you have said that this is actually one of your first NFTs. And I think buried in the architecture of the rollout is a pretty deep understanding of kind of how people are acquiring NFTs. How did you discover each of these tactics that people were using to craft this rollout? Oh, a lot of that was just really deeply immersing ourselves in NFT Twitter or just seeing a lot of projects and trying to learn what they were doing and trying to figure out what things we wanted to take from that and what things we like thought maybe were not a good fit for us. So yeah, just reading a lot. And then there were a bunch of articles that we also read. Paradigm put out a really good piece that kind of went through like a bunch of process vulnerabilities for NFT projects. And so we kind of took that to heart, reading a lot about different mechanisms for sales, like everything from Dutch auctions to ticketed sales to all kinds of other things. And in the end, I think we ended up with something fairly sinful for the most part, because we still wanted it to be like very easy to understand and very accessible. But I think a lot of different factors kind of came into play when we were really considering what process would actually be the right fit for us. And just to give some sort of point of reference, how long have you guys been working on this project? So Alethea and I bleach each other's roots. So we spend like a good like six to seven hours <laughs> together on the weekend whenever that happens. And I think we had tossed around ideas and we're just talking about the NFT space when it came up. And that was maybe around late August. So I think we all got together and had the ball rolling by early September. That was when we really hit the, we were hitting the ground running. Okay, that's like literally no time. <laughs> I cannot believe you guys have built on that in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And I think I saw on Twitter, Shenyu, you said you've been doing Web3 stuff for like three months or something like that. And I was, wow, this is amazing that you guys were able to pull this off. I think I know at least some of you guys have full-time jobs and just even hearing your thought process about immersing guys yourselves into the NFT world to figure out a good minting process. It's just really amazing to me. I was watching the entire process since Lee has like introduced it to me. The last couple of days has been extremely exciting for us, but also I'm sure for you too. Over the time, I've seen Alex Ohanian market or let everyone know that he has CryptoCoin. I've seen a lot of the NFT 
celebrities that are really deep into the NFC space. They've been touting how Crypto Coven is one of the best NFT projects. Dame, Zeneca, and even Packy, they're giving out NFTs, your Crypto Covens. How did that feel at the end? The last couple of days definitely have been pretty wild <laughs> in that respect, just because, yeah, people were kind of wondering, were you partnering with all these influencers who've been talking about it? And we definitely did a little bit of that early on, maybe a month ago or so. But that was mostly with like basically like our like extended friends, people that we know, and just kind of asking them to work with us on things. We did like a giveaway, for instance, for people who were completely new to NFTs and never owned an NFT before. And hit up some of our friends who have high Twitter followings and saw and had them kind of give different prompts for people in terms of like, you know, how to decide like who would receive some witches. So we did do definitely some amount of that, but I also think a lot of the momentum in the last couple of days has just been people who have kind of seen a little bit of the work we're doing over the past month, month and a half. And I don't know, I think there's kind of the snowball effect that happens with a lot of NFT projects, which is on one hand, like extremely exciting. And on the other hand, a little bit overwhelming, just in terms of the way that it kind of all, it nothing happens for like a while, not nothing, but very little happens for a while. And then it all comes at once. Wait, didn't someone tell you to like reduce the number of NFTs you all want to mint? Yeah, yeah. This was very early, like right before we were about to launch the community sale. And it was like a pretty bad week, weekend, whatever for NFTs. It was like, you know, everything was going down and whatever. So a lot of the people in the community were like really concerned about not selling out. And I think we have made it a point of saying that it doesn't really matter when we sell out. There's no rush. We're building things for the long term. And we really believe in work we're doing and what we put out as something that can show over time as opposed to needing to sell out immediately and immediately start focusing on core price or all these other external factors. I think we felt really good about just the quality of work we were doing and that that would show off over time. Yeah, it was a little bit wild just with the early community where because NFTs are a strange space where you're making art and you're pretty upfront. That's what you're giving to the people that are buying it. There's also expectations that it's somewhat of an investment. It goes up in price and a lot of that like capitalistic American dream that is sort of tied up into crypto. But Alethea actually had an amazing point really early on when was asked this in the Discord about selling out and thinking about how we're thinking about the total supply of witches. Yeah, I think that was a question that came up a lot where people were like, why aren't you worried that you are about to sell out? I think for a lot of us, it was just like, why shouldn't we be worried that we won't sell out? Is it a blocker for continuing to develop the lore? And we really started out this project as a creative expression and just to have fun and enjoy ourselves and take a break from the corporate life where we're aiming for metrics. We have like KPRs, we have to business goals and make a lot of decisions around that. So I think aiming to sell out or aiming for a floor price or utility or what have you, it just felt like what we were trying to get away from. And also we had a lot of confidence in our own work. Like we really loved our work. And I think that showed through and we didn't really need to sell out to validate that. One of our podcast guests, Howie Zhang, he is a game economy designer for Guild of Guardians, which is an NFT game, play to earn game. And he got really excited about Crypto Covens through Lee and he bought his girlfriend one and he bought all her friends one. And he was just looking at the organic growth over time. And he was just like loving how organic it was. And then all of a sudden there was this run up where people were just buying it because a lot of these 
influencers were talking about it and everything got sold out so fast. And a lot of those crypto coven potentially might not be the same type of crypto coven holders that were buying before. How do you think about that? And how are you planning for making sure your community is strong? Yeah, it is true that we did get an influx of people aping in as they were referring to it at the end there. But we can't control who buys the witches. And I think we do have a very large number of community members who did successfully get a witch. And we have reserved a small number that we can still gift. I think we're hoping to do giveaways. We also have the option to sweep our own floor and do some more giveaways just to add to the accessibility of the project. But ultimately, I think the people that stay long term and hold their witches are going to be the people that are most enjoying the lore that we provide and the experiences that we come up with. I also hope that the people who aren't necessarily our target audience can be persuaded over to the more feminine side of things. We've already seen it a little bit in our Discord where some people come in with a bit of a like traditional bro mentality talking about floor and our community comes to our defense and really tries to encourage more witchy talk and less speculation. And we've actually seen some people kind of change and like start to get into it. We've seen guys commenting and complimenting other people's witches and wanting compliments on theirs. And it's all very cute. Yeah, I love the Discord community. We can talk about crystals, astrology. I think Nyx does tarot readings for people. It's just like, especially speaking corporate life all day, I feel like I'm just like in this box and I have to like act a certain way or whatever. And I love this project for so many reasons, but it's like, hey, I can also be whimsical and weird and still be technical as well because we still are in the NFT space. And speaking of specifically the NFT space, another thing that I really loved is how well done the smart contract was, specifically how the gas fees were so low to mint and everybody made comments about it. So yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, the gas was something that was really important to us because again, my first forays into Web3 were just terrible in terms of losing tons of money. Like I lost a hundred bucks in transaction fees for a failed transaction. That was maybe like the first thing that I ever did in Web3. So literally the same thing happened to me. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I have to pay money for something that didn't even go through? Yeah, same thing. Yeah. And so it's just like not a great experience. User experience stuff, I think that could really be improved in Web3, specifically with the gas. If we want people to be able to buy a witch, we have to make it easy for them and like not like needlessly expensive for them. So that was like a very like important thing to us, I think. We were thinking, for instance, even just like the people that we knew who were new to NFTs, can we ask people to spend $150 just on the transaction to buy a witch, like let alone the cost of the actual witch? And so that just kind of became like a thing that was important. Wait a minute. I've only minted minted here. So I don't really know. Is that how much usually it costs a mint? Over $100? Yeah, actually, that's very normal for the space, especially even an optimized contract. It's like not unusual at all. Oh my God. Yeah, it's wild out there. And I think just like having that be like a priority to us. Also things like readability, because smart contracts like are, can be like publicly accessible, like even scan and stuff, making sure that the code was like readable, especially for People who like might want to like understand what's happening and make sure that they're not being misled about what the code is doing. I think all of those things are pretty important and things that people tend to undervalue. So just like trying to improve accessibility and just make it a better experience. 
One of the things that really stood out to me was how stunning each one was, but also how unique. How did you guys make it so that each witch was so unique? Because every other project I've seen, they all look very similar. It's kind of the thing that you have to build your code around from the beginning versus thinking of it as an edge case in the end. So kind of after Keridun's prompting, we knew from the start that we wanted to have at least three different base models and we just pushed the limits and the number of skin tones we wanted to accommodate. Alethea in general like did a bunch of work to make like these gorgeous gradients. So we had like as even distribution as possible without increasing complexity. And yeah, we think we generated close to a thousand styles, maybe more. I mean, that includes different color variations of each of them, but that comprise the total witches that we divided into the archetypes so they match. But actually, I would love to toss it to Alethea to speak more to the art style and creating like a base model that we could put all these different combinations of assets on and still have it look visually cohesive. With the base assets, we decided on several body types and several skin tones. So the number of base models just to start out with was I want to say three times seven twenty one and that gave us a really strong start in introducing a variety of characters to work off of on top of that we also had a lot I mean a lot of different facial features lips eyes facial markings hair and we also made a note to really focus on the attributes that people can see at a glance. What I mean by that is a lot of the similarities in other NFT projects that you see where they're like technically different, but visually the same uh, is a function of the silhouettes not being differentiated enough or the overarching color palette not being differentiated enough. So we basically identified that like the hair, the silhouettes, the outfits, and the overarching color are the main factors to determine visual uniqueness. And we actually wrote logic to make sure that, you know, even if two witches have different, say, like jewelry on their faces, if they're not visually unique in the way that I just described, but still count them as visual collisions that throw them out. We did a lot of learnings from some of the other NFT collections where people would get avatars and they're kind of just the background color is different or just like a small button on the shirt. So we wanted to make sure there was enough assets and like the code had that logic in it so that they were truly visually unique, not just computationally unique. And Alethea did a lot of work on the color palettes and the size of assets so that they also read well as like beautifully rich in details at the 2000 by 2000 pixel aspect ratio. But also when you reduce them down to an icon of something like Twitter, they visually pop, especially like the one for our Twitter, which is on like that hot pink background, which is one of the first ones we created. It just is like this visual pop of color that makes it serve both as a standalone art piece and as like an icon representation. A lot of it too was developing the different archetypes. We really wanted ones that like a variety of women could resonate with. So we pulled from all of our favorite tropes and like fantasy and adult fiction, more or less, and then developing a visual style for each of the archetypes and having those assets go well together is another reason that the witches themselves came out so diverse. So there's like the variety of body sizes, skin tones, and then there's six different archetypes. And even just using that as kind of like a base for the randomization logic, we would have been able to generate like millions of witches. So we're able to have like a set of 10 that felt really truly visually unique. I love yeah. the archetypes, and I'm a necromancer. And I, Kadeetan, thank you so much for explaining it all to me. But I felt like I went back today to read all the different archetypes. And as I'm getting deeper into this, when I first read the descriptions of the archetypes, I'm like, what am I reading? I don't understand. But now when I read it, I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay, that's what a hag is. Okay, that's what a necromancer is. So it's pretty cool. One thing I was really 
passionate about is getting the skin tones right. So I just wanted to go a little bit more into that, where when we look at usual makeup lines, it's usually just like white slash very light skin tones. And you have like a couple dark skin tones at the very end added as an afterthought. And that's kind of why Fenty was so revolutionary at the time, because you had a more equitable color gradient across light skin tones and darker skin tones. And then when we were developing the skin tone colors, I also really tried to make sure to use reference and look at, you know, I think there was an Instagram account called like Beauty is Boring, where they just had various models, all different ethnicities, all different body sizes with makeup on in different lighting to make sure that whatever skin tone that we started out with was rendered in a very realistic way. And by that, I meant when we go from skin tone to dark skin tone, it's not a matter of adjusting the hue or adjusting the lightness. It's also adjusting the undertone, adjusting the saturation, where when we have really pale, which is the undertone is, you know, grays and purples. But when we get to the witches that have darker skin tones, the undertones might be like olives or orange or even like cooler hues just to make the features pop. And then one of the points of uniqueness there is when we do have the accessories or the backgrounds or like the outfits, they interact very differently with the skin tone colors. And I think that contributes to a lot of the specialness that people see in their avatars. Yeah, I just want to say it's just really, really cool to hear you guys talk about all this. I'm definitely the latest to the game in this group in terms of Crypto Coven, but NFTs in general. And the main reason was because I felt like nothing really resonated with me. And I think for maybe people that are still on the fence, perhaps there might be some FOMO, but a lot of it just seems to be a lot of shilling, you know, people looking to flip. And just to hear all the passion and work and thought that went behind Crypto Coven is just really, really amazing. And I'm also actually a necromancer, Lee. And uh, going through the uh, divination process was really amazing. I think it really helps to involve somebody. You're not just, I think the aesthetics, just hearing you guys talk about that has been really enlightening, but also helping people think. And it's not just necessarily getting in touch with my feminine side per se, but you know, there are a lot of questions that are asked of me that were very thought-provoking. And you know, it's almost like doing a personality test as you're trying to figure out what your kind of personal attributes or interests would be. And one quick question on that. So what's up with Frank the cat? Because I know that when you're trying to pick a sidekick, there were a bunch of cats that had different attributes, but Frank was just Frank. What's the story behind that? So I am the writer behind our archetype quiz. I'm so glad that you had a good time taking it and so glad that we are in the excellent company of a couple of necromancers. We really wanted to invoke the magic of the early internet. And for a lot of us, that was the feed of buzz, the Zilla of quiz, being able to stay up on your laptop under your blanket at 3 a.m. and figure out what kind of fruit you are. And we really wanted to make an immersive world for these archetypes that we were building. These aren't just characters in the game. They're also something that you can identify with yourself. So we have a lot of witches who are very passionate about Myers-Briggs and Enneagram on staff. And I had everybody chip in with that. But then when it came to the actual questions, most fun for me about online quizzes is how much they range from a deep soul-provoking question about your innermost desires and then also, which of these cats do you like the best? <laughs> and I think part of that contrast is the tongue-in-cheek tone we've set in a lot of places in the project. And the cats question I put last. I know Alethea is our local cat lover, especially. And that is an utmost right of divination. I have to tell you that the gods just delivered that to me themselves. That is airtight. If you're curious, for those of us who chose Frank the Cat, that is actually the mage response. You like a cat who is diligent and 
takes no <laughs> really diligent about their studies and takes no enemies, you know? <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I'm actually a cat owner myself. So I really enjoyed that bit. Just follow up on that. You mentioned worlds and just a bit about the roadmap. And what do you guys have in store? What's next for Crypto Coven? So now that minting is over, our next focus is world building. The map is going to be the way that we're planning to anchor the various experiences that we plan to build. And we've got some new lore in the works as well, which among other things will shed some more light on the way that we think about each of the six archetypes. So you'll get to learn a bit more about necromancers. I don't want to give too much away, but we're all really excited about what we're going to be building. We're thinking about which experiences will be special for witch holders, but also we'll be able to reveal to non-witch holders just to stay inclusive and invite people into the world. So that's all in the works. A little bit secret, but coming soon. I think also a big inspiration for us was Dom's Loop project that had just gotten hyped as the peak as we were coming up with Crypto Coven. And I think for NFTs, yes, there's that aspect of now you can like buy and sell digital art and it's a way for creatives to make a living. But as far as the technology goes, it's like absolutely interesting to have a character that doesn't necessarily have to live within a single game or platform. The technology really enables people to build their own experiences on top of it and for different NFTs to interplay. And a lot of this data that before was very closed off and centralized, like can be leveraged by anyone in any combination. So that's definitely a aspect that we want to explore with the Crypto Coven projects and through definitely through the lens of a lot of like vintage games and text adventures and our joint love of fantasy and fiction that we're really excited to see come together. So one of the things I really liked about the witches wasn't only the appearance, but also all the different attunements and the descriptions and the names. You guys had to come up with 10,000 names and 10,000 descriptions about the witches. I know you guys probably used a little bit of AI, but it was just so fun, each of those names and each of the descriptions. How did you guys go about building those? I can talk about the articulations first or the witch descriptions. That was one of my first parts working on the project. And when Nix approached me and was like, I need you to describe thoughtfully, charmingly, and strangely 10,000 minus one individual characters, it was quite the Herculean task. So the way that I first thought about it was breaking down each witch description into five separate sentences. And that way, introducing a set of permutations, right? So if we could only have a set number within each category, but then shuffle them, we could come out with thousands, millions of options. So when I first went into, that pro- went into that project, I broke them down into introduction, something like, you are a witch made of silk, you are a witch made of spiders, a hobby, where your magic comes from, something archetype specific, which is another way that we layer in more randomization having to do with the archetypes and creating more of a brand around each archetype. And then finally, an exclamation, like, walk backwards into hell, which is a drill quote. <laughs> but this kind of final all caps exclamation to really bring energy to the paragraph. So as I started writing those, we thought of, well, wouldn't it be cool to introduce AI into this process, which kind of inject it with some additional strangeness and some additional technology in a way that would be fun for the end user. So I was using OpenAI's playground feature. Mostly I would have a couple dozen sentences of each category that I had written. I would throw them into the generator and be like, all right, robot, what you got? (laughs) Here's what I'm giving you. What do you have back? 
And the results were really mixed. I will say the results are really mixed. I got a lot of initial outputs that were like, you are a witch, you are a witch. <laughs> and it didn't quite know what, know what to do with our voice. But over time and trying to figure out the way that it interpreted patterns and the way, honestly, a lot of trial and error, we were able to pull out some really fantastic ones that made its way into their final collection. But also just using it creatively as a tool to generate a bunch of nouns and adjectives and then using that to inspire my own writing. I would say sentences that are 100% AI actually are a very low percentage in the total collection, but sentences that were inspired by some weird thing the AI said was high. So I think Alethea was the first person to describe it as something of a digital familiar, helping me kind of put together this creative process and make something like that so much less daunting. Carrie Duin was also a champion because originally when we asked her to do this project, Arady and I had both messed around with Markov chains. We're like, oh yeah, just write a bunch of descriptions and we'll toss them into a Markov chain. And then when we got started, we're like, oh, okay, actually that just spits out nonsense. Here is like the GTP3 UI, like go have fun and let us know how it goes. And she really figured it out and rose the challenge. Another part of something that like fleshes out the witch is the name. So I'd love to pass it to Aradia to speak more about that process. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I did the names, which was my main contribution to the lore. It was very fun. So each witch archetype got a long list of words that I very manually inputted into Airtable and I bucketed them into various parts of speech. And then I added a script to our builder that would generate a randomized name for each witch that we rolled. I would use those words. So first it would choose from, I believe we had eight naming schemes and it was something like proper noun the adjective or the noun or like proper noun of the location and then it would grab a random word from each bucket that it needed to form the name one of the earliest names that i loved was a hag called mintmint which was sort of derpy but i just loved her so that made it into our collection as a sort of easter egg and then there's also an occultist called the barbecue which has become a community favorite and I ran a rough calculation of the possible names that could be generated, and it was more than like 1.5 million. So I've really been enjoying the surprise of which names were chosen by the script on each reveal day. Yeah, and I would say like the, one of the other parts of the witches are the attunements, so the skill sets. So we really leaned into like alliteration with the project and our love of words. So in kind of like a hint to Web3, we wanted to do Ws because it's like witches, the weird wilds of the world as a reference to, uh, to like the World Wide Web. Oh, I get it. Yeah. That also came in when we were defining the skill sets for witches. Because I think a lot of the characters in this early version of NFTs, and I think no one uses metaverse anymore because it's been ruined, but that, that's what it was called originally, are supposed to be like characters in a D&D like setting. So I was like, all right, what would be stats for witches? So originally we landed on kind of as a magic system for the weird wild wonder, which is going to be light magic and woe, which is our approximation for dark magic. And then the other traits are how you wield either one. So we have like with wit, with wiles, with wisdom and with will kind of describe the different ways you can leverage magic. And then each of the different archetypes has a little bit of a boost, like when you're rolling a D&D character of what they're good at. Like for example, we are imagining necromancers were these like mysterious characters that would be the only one who are willing to walk into death and emerge unscathed. So they have like a ton of willpower and a decent amount of woe that lets them do that. Versus hags are like our druids or like cottage core characters. So they're full of wonder and wisdom and dwell in the woods. So it was a way for us to flesh out these archetypes also to give them kind of traits and skills. But yeah, we definitely wanted to avoid a world where you're grinding through levels. So we're thinking of it more as like that D&D character where they layer a lot to your personality. And sometimes having a zero, like I have a 
an occultist with nine wiles and zero willpower. <laughs> they are like being motivated by base instinct alone, just builds a much more interesting character than if everyone had like absolutely perfect stats. But yeah, actually the last and actually most popular part of the witch randomizer ended up being their astrology charts. And I'd love to toss to Janu to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, the astrology has been super fun to see people be excited about because I think that was just something that I like offhandedly suggested like, oh, we should give each witch like a sun, moon, rising because I love astrology and think of it as kind of like a language for talking about different emotions or different kinds of personality types and how they interact with others. And so it just felt like a really easy way to bring a lot of life to these characters. It's funny because people are just like, oh, like I got like a Virgo. It's like this shouldn't matter. And yet it does. Or they're like looking for a sun and rising that matches their own chart or for their partner's chart or whatever. So just like seeing that. And in some cases, it's like, I'm just looking for a wish that has my sun and rising. I don't even care like what architect they are, how they look or like whatever is very fun because it is just totally random and arbitrary, but at the same time, like makes them feel, I think, like very real characters as a result. Yeah. And I'll say the astrological science has been such a fascinating thing to explain to crypto bros. <laughs> I have been in the DMs of multiple crypto bros who just do not understand why people would be so passionate about this. Like, I don't understand why this triple Aries witch is so much more valuable than these other three put together. And I'm like, listen, if you were a triple Aries, you would understand. <laughs> but I think it speaks to how well the project resonates with the target audience and how people can get so connected to all these different aspects of the witch beyond just their meticulously put together appearance and how much of a welcoming call that can be to the kind of person who might resonate with that really strongly, but then feel excluded from Web3, it's kind of opening the door for them saying, hey, listen, this is a safe space for you. We're engaging with your interests. And also a really fun way for crypto bros to kind of have to see a new perspective and think about value in a completely different way. Think about worth in a completely different way. It's also kind of let us upend the rarity rankings on their heads, which has been really interesting because it's not just like the visual aspects of a witch that someone might resonate. There's been a lot of people who are like, I only want a witch with my exact birth chart and that is the one I want to find in the collection. I will pay any price. Or people who want a personality match who's like, oh, I really just want to find someone who's like full of wonder and also wit and has no wisdom whatsoever. And that's what I'm looking for. So it really helps drive home our message of sort of value being in the eye of the beholder. And also, I think in the crypto space, that's what we were missing was something that we saw ourselves reflected in. So being able to provide as many reflections as possible so people could have some space to choose. One of the things that I read on your website was that you guys are planning on widening your circle by creating a second generation of witches on accessible L2. Can you talk about that and explain what L2 is? Yeah, of course. So I think especially since like access and being able to like reach like a wide audience was a focus of this project. It was not lost to us that by choosing Ethereum as like a crypto or an L1 for this project, we were prohibiting a lot of people from the space. Ethereum is expensive, gas is expensive. And a lot of people are hesitant to even engage with an Ethereum smart contract, just knowing the gas averages on like $100, $200, even though we got ours fairly low and rightfully so. So an L2 Actually, I use this metaphor to a witch in the Discord, and so I'm going to use it again. You can kind of think of L1s like Manhattan, where they're like a city, it's super packed, there's limited real estate, everyone wants to live there, it's bustling, it's interesting, but rent is incredibly high and not everyone can fit. And L2s are almost like introducing the concept of suburbs. So you still have to commute in and out of the city, but there's way more space for everyone. So it's like way cheaper to live there, rent is lower, and it allows your population to scale. 
So in like more technical terms, L2s are projects that kind of sit adjacent to the Ethereum mainnet. There's a few different methods for this, but really it's like you're rolling up transactions or making it more efficient so that gas is cheaper at the end of the day. So by choosing to do witches on an L2, and to be fair, this space is still really fledgling, so I'm not even sure which one will end up being the way to scale Ethereum. There's Polygon, there's Optimism, and there's also ETH2 itself, which is implementing a sharding algorithm, and it'll probably be some combination of them that helps scale Ethereum and reduce gas. But I think L2s have already proven to be popular with NFTs as far as like you could have NFTs today on Polygon and gas is free. However, like, oh man, the tooling, the ecosystem is not there. Like if you're only purchasing a single thing, you have to bridge your Ethereum from the Ethereum mainnet onto Polygon anyway, which costs that huge gas fee. So actually early on in the project, one of the first thing we do is all of the high witches minted their first NFT together on OpenSea just to see the experience. We did Ethereum ones and Polygon ones. And we were like, ah, Polygon is just like too confusing right now for beginners who are target audience and you're asked to pay that like massive blockchain transaction fee before you're even allowed access to the art. So really what we want to accomplish is in the future when L2s are a little bit more mature, make a second generation of witches that are more accessible that people who can't necessarily afford to transact on the mainnet can have a witch. And then also just include some ways to make our first generation of witches feel included probably by being able to choose their own appearance versus this one was a little bit more of a blind box. Wow, it feels like y'all have been so thoughtful about every part of the system and you've managed to break it and turn a lot of things on its head or just pushing the space forward. I'd love to hear how y'all choose as a group what to build next or what to focus on? It's been really collaborative and fun. I think really early on, um, we did a bunch of like mood board exercises for the archetype and sort of a rough framework for where we wanted the narratives to go. Oh man, I really don't want to spoil it so I won't drop too many hints. <laughs> but yeah, we kind of settled on like the skeleton of what we want the plot to be, but in such a way that it, since we were originally planning on leveraging the witches for other people to build on top of, that the story could be expansive and fit a bunch of different narrative threads. I also don't want to give too much away, but one thing that we did that was fun in the beginning and collaborative was we got on a call and just sort of talked about different directions for the story, for our main like overarching story that we will soon be revealing. And we're all pulling from different fantasy references that we loved, just kind of thinking of different metaphors of things that we wanted to say, just like it was just a fun brainstorming collaborative session. And I think Alethium might have mentioned this at some point before, but it always feels very like, yes and like that improv, I don't know, motto. And so as far as what's coming, also something that Nick's mentioned earlier, just when I think back to the earlier days of the web, I feel like the one thing that always comes to my mind is like Neopets. I always have like so much nostalgia thinking back to playing the mini games and feeding the pets, just forever chasing the fairy paintbrush. And the internet's changed a bit and it's just like less magical now and more corporate. And so I guess when I think about the future of what we're going to be building, I just hope that we can bring some of that joy and magic back. I just wanted to say really quickly about the yes and bit of it. I think that's really been one of the great joys of working on this project in terms of just, we are all like huge professionals and also just like balance off each other in terms of ideas like so well, where I think everything we do, I think we like really try to do to the best of our ability. And there'll be like five, 10 different layers of suggestion. And it's like, what if we did that, but like even more ambitious or even whatever, that's just been really exciting and so much fun as a dynamic on a team. 
listening to you guys have been so inspirational. If I was really excited about Crypto Coven and I wanted to learn more, where do I find out the Discord? Yeah, so we are at CryptoCoven.xyz is our website, which is our main portal with all of our links. But you can also find us at, at CryptoCoven on Twitter, which is a great way to follow along as well. And if I wanted to buy CryptoCoven, where do I buy it? So now the mint is over at this point, which was the last month, but you can still swoop a witch on secondary. So you can use Sora, which is a decentralized marketplace, or OpenSea, which is one of the more popular ones as well. You have been so amazing. I think every one of us, Andrew, Lee, and Lee, are really excited and really inspired. And I really appreciate you spending time with us. Yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to see what more stuff you guys have up your sleeves. And I'm just even more excited than I already am now. And I actually have bought a ton of witches and I felt a little bit guilty about it, but I don't feel guilty anymore. You know what? I was right on the mark. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. This has been a pleasure and I've loved hearing all of your takes on the projects. Um, We've been working so insularly for so long. It's been amazing to open up and just like get so much feedback and engagement from the community. So thank you again. It's been wonderful. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Hey everyone. Thanks for making it to the end of the episode. You can find show notes, links, and contact info for us and our guests at our website, willandlee.show. We love feedback, so please feel free to drop us a note with any thoughts or suggestions. Lastly, if you like what you heard, we'd really appreciate you adding ratings to our episodes. Thanks for listening. Until next time.